Hey guys, before this episode begins, I just want to let you all know that I partnered with DAT Bootcamp to offer a 10% discount code on all bootcamp products. While studying for my DAT, I found DAT Bootcamp to be the best resource during my preparation. Their sets of review videos and practice exams are second to none. Use code DOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount, applicable to all programs Bootcamp has to offer. Again, that's DOD10 at checkout. Uh, so how Kahoot works if you've never played a Kahoot game before, uh, a multiple choice question will appear and to answer, you will select the color and the shape corresponding to the correct answer. You are rewarded for how fast you select that answer. But what's most important is of course, accuracy. Once you've selected your answer, you won't be able to change. There are 19 uh, point-based questions, and we're going to start with a test question uh, as, uh, that won't count towards the total points, but instead we'll make sure that you're comfortable with the format and also give us uh, a little bit of an idea of who came out tonight. So with that, I wanted to welcome everyone to the Spring 2023 Kahoot, and here we go. So the first question is a poll. Which of the following best describes you? Are you a pre-dental student or not in healthcare? Are you a dental or medical student? Are you a resident? Or are you a practicing healthcare provider? Go ahead and put in your answer. You should be able to see the, up. Oh, there we go. We've got all of our answers in. Mostly dental and medical students, but we've got a few practicing uh, providers in our midst and some residents. So we've got a pretty uh, pretty even playing field here. All right, so that was our sample question. Now it's time for our point-based questions. So get ready for question number one. But first, uh, I did wanna thank you for coming out and thank our sponsor, OMS Consulting Firm, who is providing us uh, both with the ability to host tonight, as well as our prizes. So though the third place winner will get a $25 Amazon gift card. The second place winner will get a $50 Amazon gift card. And our grand champion will get a whopping $100 to spend on Amazon. So a big thank you to OMS Consulting Firm, which you can check out their website, www.omsconsultingfirm.com, or feel free to give them a call at 833-OMSFIRM. Uh, and be sure to check me out on social media, Stephen Roth DDS, as well as uh, Dose of Dental Podcast, who is also hosting tonight, and Students of Dentistry. So here's our first question. What is the most common type of oral cancer? Squamous cell carcinoma, lymphoma, osteosarcoma, or rhabdomyosarcoma? All right, let's see how we did. Perfect. 23 got the correct answer. It is squamous cell carcinoma. It is Oral Cancer Awareness Month, the month of April. And approximately 90% of oral cancers are squamous cell carcinomas. So it's important during this time of oral cancer uh, awareness month to remember our patients with oral squamous cell carcinoma. Here we go. Ooh, we got a tie up top. Clay and Sarah with Michelle close behind. Which of the following is a diagnostic possibility for this lesion? 
Here we have a bump on the gums. Is it a pyogenic granuloma, peripheral giant cell granuloma, gingival metastasis, or any of the listed diagnoses? Very good. It's any. So be very careful. While speed is important in the game, accuracy is more important. And this is a bump on the gums. And there is a mnemonic to remember this bump on the gums. And that is the three Ps plus an F or an M. The three Ps are pyogenic granuloma, peripheral giant cell granuloma, peripheral ossifying fibroma, the F being a fibroma, and the M being gingival metastasis. If you want to learn more about this, I do have a video up on my YouTube channel, so be sure to check it out if you were someone that missed that question. All right. Next up, rapid fire. We'll keep it moving. Which of the following diagnosis is most likely given the radiographic findings in this rapidly expanding mass? Fibrous dysplasia, osteosarcoma, cemento-osseous dysplasia, or odontogenic keratocyst? You might be appreciating a sunburst pattern to this massive, expansile radiolucency. Very good, osteosarcoma. Fibrous dysplasia doesn't have that sunburst pattern. Instead, it has more of a ground glass pattern and expands within the contour of the bone itself. Osteosarcoma is a rapidly expanding mass with a sunburst pattern, very similar to what you saw here. Cemento-osseous dysplasia usually is not expansile, and OKCs are also usually not expansile and are usually radiolucent. Uh, I do want to thank Dr. Colby Haynes, who is both an oral pathologist and oral radiologist, for supplying that case. Let's see where our leaderboard stands. Clay is dominating. Clay remains in the top spot with Leon taking the second place. We've got a lot of moving around here. Five players with, uh, with a three-streak hot streak but still plenty of game left. All right, next up. This is a Southeast Asian patient's maximum opening. What is your diagnosis? Is it submucous fibrosis, scleroderma, Ehlers-Danlos, or tobacco pouch keratosis? All right, very good. Submucous fibrosis. In this patient with worn down dentition, from South Asia with very tight, thick piano wire cords in their buccal mucosa and limited maximum opening, that is submucous fibrosis. Very good. And our next question is related and is in the same patient. But first, ooh, we got a new leader and a new second place as well. Four players lost their, uh, their three streak, three question streak. So what product does this patient use? Smokeless tobacco or dip, marijuana, betel quid or pawn, or cigarettes? This is unique uh, to this patient and to this condition. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. Betel quid or pawn. Uh, there are variations of pawn that don't have nicotine, but oftentimes it is the areca nut itself that is considered the carcinogen and the cause of the submucous fibrosis. So betel quid 
is a product commonly used in Southeast Asia. It leads to rapid tooth attrition and staining, as well as submucous fibrosis and limited mouth opening, as well as an eight-time increase in oral cancer. It's also highly addictive, but whatever we can do to prevent our patients from using that product is, is helpful both in their mouth opening and in preventing their oral cancer. Squamous. Holding that lead steady, our top three is, is entrenched. But it is a tight race, and there's still plenty of game left. All right. This patient has this finding, as well as a history of over 100 basal cell carcinomas. What other finding do you expect? Do you expect an odontogenic keratocyst, a neurofibroma? a pheochromocytoma, or an amyloblastoma. Pictured here is the patient's palm, which has numerous palmar pits, which are shallow pits in the palm of the hand. Very good. Odontogenic keratocyst. Basal cell carcinomas, as well as palmar pitting, should make you wonder about nevoid basal cell carcinoma syndrome. A key component of that syndrome is the OKC, the odontogenic keratosis. These patients can get OKCs at a younger age and can get them more frequently, uh, as well as getting the basal cells at an earlier age and in areas that aren't exposed to the sun. So that's why it's important to remember all of the manifestations of this condition. Let's see where our leaderboard stands. Ooh, that was a rough, a rough round for the top. Uh, congrats to Janice with, with four correct answers in a row. But it's a tight game, a tight game. Lots of uh, co competition going on here. That's great. Viral cytopathic effect is observed in biopsies and smears from what virus? The Epstein-Barr virus, herpes simplex virus, HIV, or coronavirus? Depicted is viral cytopathic effect, which includes the three M's, multinucleation, molding of nuclei, and margination of chromatin. This is from a smear of a patient with herpes simplex virus. That's right. HSV leads to change in the nuclei of affected cells. And we can see that both on biopsy and in smears. You can often avoid doing a biopsy if you're concerned about HSV by either doing a smear and looking at it under the microscope or sending for PCR on a viral culture. All right. That was a tough one. Lots of people thought about EBV. Let's see uh, where that leads people now. Oh, Dr. MK is on a, a hot streak of five questions and takes the lead with Janice biting at the heels. We've got a very exciting game. Lots of uh, the top five is is changing around every time. That's great. All right. What is the name of this tooth anomaly? Is it Librodontism, Aristontism, Virgodontism, or Toradontism? I won't say too much here, but it is indeed Toradontism. Yeah, some of you might have caught on to my really poorly placed uh, horoscope humor. This is torodontism. That's because the elongated pulp chambers and short stubby roots in these teeth look very similar to bovine teeth, 
bovine or cows or bulls are also referred to as forests in Latin. That's where Taurus, the horoscope, is a bull. Uh, we've got Taurus season coming up at the end of the month. My birthday is the 21st of April, and it is the first or second day of Taurus season. So I figured that would be an appropriate question for uh, Taurus season being on the horizon. Taurodontism. Similar to bull teeth. All right, we've got a solidification of the lead, but I do got to give a shout out to Carolina who just went up four places. Excellent. Good work. Be careful, top five. It's anyone's game. Next question. What about the halfway mark? From what animal does Ranula get its name? Lion, tiger, bear, or frog? Lion, tiger, bear, or frog? Ranula, another, uh, another Latin name lesson for us, back to back. Very good, frog. Uh, ranula comes from the word frog. In Latin, rana is frog, and that's because a ranula or a mucosil of the floor of the mouth looks very similar to an inflated frog stomach. Because of that, it's given the, the name ranula, mimicking the frog. Very good. Wow. We've got the, the top five with a major upheaval, but still going strong. And Donna? Donna, Donna's back with a answer streak at three. Very nice, Donna. Nice job, Donna. And, and Janice is pulling ahead. With, uh, with 300 points in the lead, but still anyone's game. We still have uh, about half the questions left, so keep your hands on the buzzers, and we'll keep rocking and rolling. A rapid plasma reagent, RPR, is performed to test which organism? Mycobacterium tuberculosis, Treponema pallidum, herpes zoster, or Canada albicans? RPR, what organism? Well, it tests for... Treponema pallidum, or syphilis. Mycobacterium tuberculosis is the bacteria that causes TB. Treponema pallidum is the bacteria that causes syphilis. Herpes zoster is the shingles virus. And Candida albicans is yeast or thrush that we see in the mouth, candidiasis. RBR uh, is used as a blood test. Though you can also perform biopsies uh, as well as perform a few other blood tests as well. Uh, the diagnosis of syphilis can be a little bit tricky. That patient pictured uh, had a mucus patch of secondary syphilis on the palate and had positive RPR. Ooh, tough question. Tough question with a new leader. Anastasia with the highest answer streak of four. Way to go, Anastasia. We love to see that accuracy there. Keep up the good work. And Michelle, I saw I see you there sneaking up into the top five. Very nice. All right. What stain gives a microscope slide its blue color? Hematoxylin, eosin, mucicarmine, or adipophyllin? It's a, a hard one. We had to we had to mix it up a little bit and do one kind of nerdy slide question. 
it is hematoxylin. So the most common stain in histology is the H and E stain, hematoxylin and eosin. Hematoxylin gives slides its blue color, while eosin gives slide its red color. Mucicarmine is a special stain that stains mucin red, and adipophyllin is a specific type of stain that is used for specific types of cells. Tough question. I knew that one would, would shake people up. Let's see what that does to our leaderboard. Still anyone's game, but that was a tough one. Ooh, our, our leaders, we had a, a, a hold, a stronghold there. Five players just lost their answer streak of three. That was a tough one. I knew that would get some people, but welcome to the top five KS, whoever you are. A true or false question. Biogenic granulomas only occur in pregnant patients. True or false? PGs. This, this uh, depicted here is a biogenic granuloma occurring in a patient that is pregnant. Is that always the case? It's not. No. Pyogenic granulomas are sometimes called pregnancy tumors. And in fact, that was a big trend on TikTok where how does your dentist know that you're pregnant? You have a pyogenic granuloma. But it can occur and most frequently occurs outside of the context of pregnancy. So, do not assume that a patient is pregnant if they have a pyogenic granuloma. That being said, of course, today we had a patient that came into the clinic who's in her third trimester, and indeed she had a pyogenic granuloma. We recommended that she waited until after she gave birth to have it removed because recurrence is higher in pregnant patients until after their pregnancy. Not only that, but once they've given birth, the pregnancy uh, can cause the pyogenic granuloma to shrink. Yes, meeting time is running out, but we're going to keep it moving. All right, top five. Siraj up three places. Way to go, Siraj. A glue one positive vascular anomaly could be treated with which medication? Dexamethasone, serolimus, propranolol, or cyclosporin? Don't worry, we'll have we'll have time for our seven questions. Tough one, propranolol. GLUT1 is a marker in infantile hemangiomas. These are seen often a few days after birth, and rather than being surgically removed, they can be treated with oral or injected propranolol, which is a beta blocker. So we all learned something tonight. Tough question. Let's see what that did to our leaderboard. Wow, Jesse with five correct answers in a row. Way to go, Jesse. What is the most common site for solid organ metastasis in adenoid cystic carcinoma? Bone marrow, lung, liver, or kidney? Bone marrow, lung, liver, or kidney? This picture is from adenoid cystic carcinoma that metastasized to the brain. But lung is by far the most common site. It presents with cannonball lesions of the lung. That picture was from adenoid cystic that went to the brain. Way to go, Jen. 
three uh, three questions streak with Arneet taking the lead there, holding on to the lead. Tight match in that top five with Asham coming in, Dr. Shrestha in fifth place. That's excellent. We got a new one in the leaderboard there. The ability to touch one's nose with their tongue is given which of the following eponymous names? The Gorlin sign, the McCune sign, the Hutchinson sign, or the Eller sign? Here's a picture. Maybe you're able to do it. I am not. I'm not even going to attempt it. I won't embarrass myself. But what is it called when you can touch your tongue with your nose? Well, it's called the Gorlin sign. When in doubt, it's probably Gorlin. Gorlin sign is not a part of Gorlin cyst, which we talked about earlier tonight, nevoid basal cell carcinoma syndrome. Instead, it's just this random sign. And in fact, 50% of patients with Ehlers-Danlos can have a positive Gorlin sign. McCune sign, I added Hutchinson sign, uh, is actually a, when a patient has shingles of the tip of their nose, and it can be a sign of uh, potential blindness. But Gorlin sign is when a tongue can touch the nose, has nothing to do with Gorlin syndrome, has nothing to do with Gorlin cyst. It was just one odd thing that Dr. Gorlin discovered in about 50% of patients with Ehlers-Danlos. Way to go, James. Up three places. KS taking the lead. And Asham in second. We've got a brand new top two for the first time in the game. Like I said, anything can happen. We're coming down to the wire here. It's, it's an exciting match here towards the end. We're going to have a photo finish. A radioactive tracer is added to what substance in a PET scan? Iodine, gadolinium, glucose, or sodium? Iodine, gadolinium, glucose, or sodium. This is a PET scan here of a patient with metastatic squamous cell carcinoma. You can see it both in their jaw, their mandible, and their lymph node. It is glucose. The tumor needs glucose as energy to divide. So it uptakes glucose. Glucose has that radioactive tracer. And we can see areas of the body that are using the most sugar for energy. That's why it's helpful in imaging cancer because cancers require a lot of sugar. And that's where we have our radioactive tracer. Wow, Clay regaining his top spot. Answered by five points there. Retaking first with five points to spare. It is tight coming down to the last few questions here. Uh, granulation tissue arising from an extraction socket is also known as which of the following? Epulis fissuratum, epulis granulomatosa, congenital epulis, or residual epulis. not ready for that. Uh-oh. A cavity. It is epulis granulomatosa. Epulis fissurata is in poorly fitting dentures. Uh, residual epulis I made up. And congenital epulis is a granular cell tumor that is present at birth. Epulis granulomatosa is granulation tissue from an extraction socket. You have to rule out cancer in that scenario. You have to make sure that it's not metastasis or squamous cell. Non-healing extraction sockets need to be biopsied. We got a tight race for third here. Clay and KS duking it out. 12-point distance difference with Gus with a great streak of four. Going into one of our second-to-last questions, 
Scorbutic gingivitis is a deficiency of what vitamin or mineral? Vitamin A, vitamin B complex, vitamin C, or iron. This patient pictured has scorbutic gingivitis, also known as scurvy. Maybe that helps a little bit. Scurvy leads to scorbutic gingivitis. It's a deficiency of vitamin C. That's why pirates kept lime on ships to prevent scurvy with vitamin C. Going into our last question, we've got our, our same top three. Can they hold on to it? It's a tight race. It's anyone's game. Gift cards at stake. Our last question. In what fixative should a specimen sent for interoperative frozen section be placed? Formalin, Michelle solution, RPMI, or no fixative at all? Here we have a picture of a specimen sent for frozen section on a chuck. How was this specimen sent to me in the frozen section room? Was it sent fresh? In formalin, Michelle's solution, it was sent fresh. You do not want to put this in formalin or Michelle's solution or RPMI. We use formalin for H&E, Michelle's solution for DIF, RPMI for flow, and no fixative at all fresh or frozen. So before we announce our winners, big thanks again to... OMS consulting firm. Be sure to check them out at their website and calling 833-OMS-FIRM. Let's see who our winners are. Thanks for sticking with me with my cold in third place. Janice, congratulations on your $25 gift card, Janice. KS in second, which means in first place with $100 to Amazon, we have Clay. If you three wouldn't mind sending a direct message to myself or Dr. Gallagher, we'll make sure that we get you your Amazon gift cards. We came in right under the wire. Thank you everyone for coming out to our second ever uh, oral pathology trivia night. We hope that you had fun. Make sure that you uh, stay tuned for future sessions and future chances to win more Amazon gift cards. We do appreciate all of your support and you playing along. We hope that you learned something uh, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Any any words, Dr. Gallibur, in the last minute here? Spectacular event. Again, I am so glad we got this started. And thank you, everyone, for coming out. Please DM me um, or Dr. Roth. We're going to send that over to Sarah. Big thanks to Siraj, uh, Sean, everyone else coming out. This is this was fantastic. Um we're going to do this again soon. Three months. We're going to do a quarterly. Thank Get you, everybody.